Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Man, I hope you are doing all right. I want to say how grateful I am that whether you're connecting with us here physically today or you're connecting with us digitally, we are so grateful you are here. And I just I hope you packed a lunch. Because I've been waiting for, I've got six hours in me, all right? We're going to preach through Leviticus today. It's going to be great. Six hours strong. But hey, I tell you what, we are so glad that you are here. You're lucky for those who are here that social distancing guidelines are still in effect. Or I'd have hugged and kissed every single one of you that came in the door. I've, I've missed you. It's just good looking at you. I'm just so good to put my eyes on you and glad you're here. This baby step as we continue to open up Connect Church in the weeks ahead. So we are so glad that you are here. So grateful. I want to say this last week. Uh, I opened up a message talking about a little bit of trouble I got into. Uh, so last Sunday, before I was coming to preach, um, I, I was getting in my pickup truck at the house. And as I was fixing to pull out, I had noticed a couple things. Number one, I hadn't checked on my smoker. I had some meat in there. And I wanted to make sure I put just the right amount of chips in there before I left, preached, and came back. And I forgot a sermon illustration. I had a lot of them last week in the garage. And so as I hopped back out of my truck to go to the smoker, my truck crashed into my neighbor's house, okay? And, uh, and, and so I, I got to thinking this week, y'all probably think I make up a lot of these stories, <laughs> Like, surely not every story preachers tell are real, right? Like, we get that reputation, and I get it. But with this story comes video evidence, if I can draw your attention to the screens. That's me at the smoker. Had no idea what's going on. There's my truck door open. Brick mailboxes galore. And there's my neighbor's house. And thank God it stops before the video does. Listen, man, God was so good. My neighbors were so kind. And you know what? I bet you this morning when they heard my truck fire up, they hit their knees before God and prayed that God would spare them the trouble this week that is Pastor Anthony's truck in their home. So anyway, listen, we are, we're grateful that you're here. But you know, troubles are a part of everybody's story, aren't they? Troubles are a part of, of every story. Here's what I love. You ready? We have been in this study in Philippians, the happiest book of the Bible, the book of joy. And what we're beginning to see in this letter that Paul writes are glimpses of a joy that far outlasts merely the emotion, the feeling that is, that is happy. And here's what, we, here's what we are coming to understand. You ready? That when Jesus is at the center of my joy, when Jesus is your greatest joy, we are the happiest that we can be in this life. We are the happiest that we can be. Today we are going to continue to see that alongside of and partnered with this theme of joy in this letter comes the living out of such joy in Christ-likeness. By this point in Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, why don't you just turn there real quick. By verse 12, the church of Philippi is ready to hear how Paul's doing. They, they love the greetings. They love the prayer that we walked through last week. By this point, man, they're just, they're longing to know. They're desperate to hear in this letter 
Paul, how you doing? How are things going? In a sense, really what they wanted was a status update from Paul to know how he is, how he's carrying on. Now, this is also part of Philippians where Paul begins to get a little bit personal in his letter when it starts hitting home. And here's what he does. You ready? He begins to expose a potential enemy to your joy and mine. The enemy's name? Trouble. And he exposes it here in this letter. You see, trouble is a a universal threat to joy, isn't it? Trouble is a universal threat and enemy to all joy. In fact, some will look back on 2020 as just the year of trouble, won't they? And probably, rightfully so. The year of trouble. What is 2020? I think of this trouble, and I think, you know what? Troubles can be a formidable foe, but they are not always victorious in robbing us believers of the joy that we have in Jesus. Now, we understand this, that Paul, as he's writing the church at Philippi, he's in in prison in a sense. He's under house arrest as he writes this letter from Rome. He's He's living out some trouble. But hear me. Let me tell you who Paul isn't. And I'm going to draw from one of my favorite movies right here. You ready? How many of y'all know who that is? Lion King, Zazu, right? Man, he's one of my favorite characters. Well, you know the story, Mufasa, the king dies, Simba runs off. And Simba is just in the process of being found. And poor Zazu, who worked for King Mufasa, now finds himself imprisoned in Scar's lair. Do you remember what happens on this scene in this movie? Do you remember what song he sings? Nobody knows the what? Troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my, my sorrows, right? Like, this is a depressing scene in The Lion King, right? He is in jail, and he's just, he's depressed. He's wore out. But here's what we can't do. You ready? We can't see Paul as Zazu. That's not the picture Paul is painting here in this letter to the Philippians. This is not how it's going for Paul, even though his situation looks a lot like this. Hey, let's be honest for a moment. No one wants trouble in life, do they? You don't want troubles, I don't want troubles. Troubles are difficult, we despise them, and at times troubles can be devastating. And let me let you in on something, believer, you ready? Just because you love Jesus and just because he loves you doesn't mean we're exempt from trouble. It'd be nice to preach that sometime, but listen, it's not the truth. In fact, I want you to listen to what our boss says in John 16, 33, and I have it up here for you. In John, oh, I thought I did. In John 16, 33, Jesus says this, our boss, he says this, in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have troubles. Man, I'm going to tell you, that is, that's difficult to hear because we want this love in Jesus. We, we don't want this trouble, but he promises that it will take place. Notice what he didn't say, that in this world you might have trouble. Hear me, you will have trouble. Why? Because we live in a fallen world where sin has tainted and marred 
all of creation. Hey, by the way, that's what makes the gospel so beautiful because the only hope for humanity that has lived, that lives in this fallen world is faith in Jesus Christ. That is the hope and the good news of the gospel. But here's what we understand about Paul. Trouble was a part of his story, but what made all the difference for Paul was he knew the right person. He knew the right person to turn to. He knew the right person to call on. He knew the right person to trust in when trouble came knocking at his door. And of course we know that through his letter, that person is none other than Jesus. Let's begin to watch together as Paul gets personal in this letter. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, here's what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He says, what's happened to me really has served and it's true in to advance the gospel. You go, well, what's happened to Paul here? Well, we know this. He's been falsely imprisoned because he can't shut up about Jesus, right? It's unjust the imprisonment he finds himself in. That's his, that's his current circumstances. That's his current situation. He's confined under house arrest and chained to an imperial guard. But did you know that Paul, the author of much of the New Testament... Church planter extraordinaire, he knew his fair share of troubles in this life. Let me prove it to you. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, or write down this reference here. And you know what Paul does here in this passage? He begins to talk a little bit about the troubles he's seen. And so just when you thought you had a bad day, I want, I want you to read through this with me, Okay. It says this, he begins to explain. He's known in verse 23 of 2 Corinthians 11, imprisonments, countless beatings. He said, often I was near death. Verse 24, five times I received the hands at the hands of the Jew, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night and a day adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me. When it comes to my anxiety, my concern for all the churches. Hey, talk about a guy who stays in trouble. Man, we see that here in Paul. But you know what he understood? And what we must understand today when troubles come? Hey, you ready? That those troubles, they don't determine our joy. Jesus does. Those troubles, they don't define our joy. Only Jesus does. Those troubles, they can't decide our joy. Because only Jesus can decide our joy. Paul was familiar with trouble. Yet time and time again, he saw his troubles, his problems. You ready? In the right perspective. Not only did he know the right person, but he had the right perspective when looking at his troubles, his problems. You ready? He didn't see trouble as a setback, but is God setting him up for something bigger? You ready, church? We must combat trouble by putting trouble in perspective, by putting our troubles 
in their proper place. Look at verse 12. He says this, what has happened has served to do what? To advance the gospel. The word advance is a military term in the Greek. And it describes a group of men whose job it was to go in front of an army and to clear whatever forest or wilderness needed to be cleared, to clear a path so that the army could go and secure victory. In fact, this group was tapped with paving the way so that the army could fight in battle. You know what I think in a similar sense? Our troubles, our problems can prepare and can pave the way for God's purposes and God's plans to be accomplished in our lives. Hey, this was the perspective of Paul. Troubles, now catch this church, troubles can either serve to advance God's will in your life or they can cause you to retreat. Settling for defeat as troubles come for you and for me. You know what, I want to... I want to take just a moment, just make a special note. The troubles I speak of, I'm speaking of those that happen to us, not because of us. Does that make sense? I look at Paul's faith, I look at his situation, it was because of his faith in Jesus that he found himself in chains. The troubles I speak of are not necessarily self-inflicted wounds. We, saw, we see some of Paul's troubles come from his loving Jesus, but also some came just because, like you and me, he lives in a fallen world. Shipwrecks happen. Danger happens. Being cold and hungry, it happens in a fallen world. However, in this letter, let me tell you what Paul doesn't do. He doesn't retreat. He doesn't settle for defeat. Rather, he focuses on God's plan and purpose and the problems he faced. You see, he had the right perspective. But my question is, is what's God up to with old Paul's chains? What's God up to? Look at verse 13, and I love this. You ready? He goes on and says this, that all this has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known, the Bible says, or clear throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, what is God up to? Hey, let me share something with you, church. You ready? When troubles come, combat your troubles by posing the right question. You got to ask the right question. So when troubles come, you know what we ask? God, what are you up to? When troubles have come in my life, and one of the, the prayers I quickly pray, because I know the right person, because I want the right perspective, I've got to pose the right question. When troubles come, God, what are you up to? Because here's what I know about him, church. You ready? God always uses our troubles to draw us close to him and to deliver, watch this, right? To deliver others out of their sin and into salvation. God is always at work in our troubles. 
I love what Paul mentions. He says this, it has become known or clear to the imperial guards. Now, who are they? Now, let me share with you just a little bit about who they were. You ready? They were specially trained soldiers, handpicked to serve Caesar. They were the secret service, the, the Navy SEALs to Caesar's household. They were the best, the smartest, the strongest, the toughest. In fact, my screen's a little off today, and so um, I was going to give you a picture of one of those soldiers. And really, it was just my picture on the screen. But anyway, they were the best of the best. Now, here's what we know of these uh, imperial guards in Caesar's house. They numbered 10,000. They were all Italian in their heritage. And 3,000 of those soldiers served in Rome where Paul was imprisoned. And Paul would have been chained to many of those soldiers. In fact, I love what a pastor did. He kind of did some of the math and he said this. Paul was chained to such a guard 24 hours a day. And since they changed guards every six hours, Paul would be able to share with a different soldier four times a day, 28 times a week, and almost reach 3,000 of these guys in a two-year period. Do you know what that means? That more than likely, Paul shared the gospel with every one of those soldiers stationed in Rome. <laughs> Just unbelievable. You ready to catch this, church? Little did the Roman soldiers know that Paul wasn't chained to them, but that God had chained them to Paul. Hey, you ready? His message was not let me out, let me out, but to every guard. Oh, would you let Jesus in? Would you let Jesus in? He shared the gospel with them. I think of this. You know, I think about Paul in this season of his life. He realized that his troubles drew him closer and closer to Jesus and served to deliver others out of sin and into salvation that comes to, through Christ and Christ alone. This allowed Paul not only to experience, but to possess joy even while in chains. Hear me, church. Jesus said it. John 16, in this world you will have trouble. You ready? But take heart, I have overcome the world. You ready, believer? In this world you will have problems. You will have troubles, but take heart. Lift up your head. Open your eyes. Stand tall. Chin up because the Jesus that is in you has overcome the world around you. And by the way, the very trouble that's coming for you. Paul would write the church at Rome later on, and he would remind them of this in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, those who've been called according to his purpose. You know what I love about Paul? Is that he didn't just write it. He lived it. And we see that even in Philippians play out. Watch this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. You may want to jot this down. It's really neat. Listen to what Paul says to the church. That all God's people here send you greetings, he writes to the church, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Now, Paul didn't get around to much of Caesar's household. 
In fact, the only people he contact, had contact with in Caesar's household were. Now, wait a second. Could it, could it be? Could it be that who Paul is talking about, believers in Christ, are some of the very same soldiers that he was, he was chained to? Hey, listen, that's exactly who he's talking about in the latter part of Philippians, that because of his chain, there are soldiers who now are changed forever because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ready, church? When Jesus is the center of your joy and mine, our problems become platforms for God to accomplish his purpose and his plan in our lives. Your troubles, they become trophies of triumph that you proudly display for the world to see the glory of God and how he works it for the good of man. A couple of years ago for one of our uh, wedding anniversaries, I, I went and I bought my wife some, some pearls um, from a vending machine in Walmart. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> These are real. Uh, and I love it. I bought her just a, a necklace, and that's what this is, and I bought her some earrings, and, and she, she loves to wear these things. And they're, they're beautiful. They're, they're expensive. And Man, I, I got to thinking about pearls. You know how a, a pearl's made? What happens is, is that an oyster, in some time existing in the water, there will be a parasite that will attack it, that will work its way deep in its tissue, or maybe there's some damage that'll take place to an oyster from a predator trying to access it. And what's really incredible is God designed that oyster instinctively, naturally, to begin the process of fighting off that trouble, of healing itself and fixing itself from the trouble that was visited upon it. And so here's what that oyster will do. It'll isolate the threat, the trouble, and it'll begin to work to wrap that damage, to coat it over and over and over again with a smooth, shining, beautiful, iridescent substance that we call mother of pearl. And the oyster will cover that trouble over and over and over and over again until you're ready. Until that trouble transforms into something beautiful and valuable. Until it transforms into a pearl. You know what I know to be true of God? Is that only God can take troubles and bring about transformation. Only God can take our problems and make of them pearls of faith. In fact, every time Aaron puts on this necklace or she puts on the earrings, I'll take a look at them and I'll be reminded that God in something as insignificant as an oyster shows us exactly what he can do with our troubles. And our problems. And that he can bring something beautiful from it. Well, Anthony, how do you know that? You know, here's what I know to be true. 
that for God, I am that trouble. My sin is that trouble before God. In fact, it cost him his very son. But instead of destroying me, you know what God has done with me? Is that he's began to wrap me up. That he covers me over and over again with his grace. Over and over again with his love. Over and over again with his mercy. Until he transforms me from dying in my sin to something as beautiful as life in him forever. And so ladies, let me encourage you. If you got a husband or a boyfriend, tell him to go out and buy you some pearls. Some real ones. So that you could always be reminded of that very thing. Here's the question I have for you. If God can accomplish so much beauty from the troubles of oysters, how much more beauty can he bring about from the troubles that face you? If God could do this with an oyster, won't you trust him with your troubles today? To bring something beautiful from that which troubles you and me. And so, hey, listen, church. Here's my final challenge. You ready? How is it that we combat? How is it that we claim victory over trouble and keep our joy in Jesus when trouble happens to us? Number one, hey, you ready? You got to know the right person to get you through the troubles. Listen, all of us have had those friends in our lives, and they always get us in trouble. Point them out in the room. Okay, Uh, we know them. But to get out of trouble, to keep your joy in trouble, and to watch God bring something beautiful, you got to know the right person. And by the way, his name is is Jesus. you got to have the right perspective. Problems either serve as platforms for God to show up, show off, and show out, or they are pits that will swallow you up. Troubles are either trophies of triumph or traps that you will continue to fall into. How you perceive your troubles in Christ will make all the difference in the world. And in Christ, our problems, our troubles are nothing more than platforms and trophies of God's love and grace. And lastly, you got to pose the right question. When problems and troubles come, ask him, God, what are you up to? Knowing he's always at work, even in our troubles, to draw us closer to him and to deliver others out of sin and into salvation. Hey, can I ask you a question this morning? Is your marriage in trouble? Hey, you got a kid in trouble? Is your business in trouble? Future, maybe, in trouble? Is your job in, in trouble? Your finances? Hey, l- let me ask you this, believer. Is your joy in trouble? 
Do you feel chained to anxiety or fear? Do you feel chained to some addiction that you just can't shake? Are you chained to a sin that you just can't seem to repent and rid your life of? Do you feel chained to a hurt or an abuse that happened some yesterdays ago? but is still robbing you of joy in Jesus today. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 17. The righteous cry out. The Lord hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. So believer, why not let God take hold of you? Why not let him take hold of your troubles, your troubled situation? Let him cover it with grace over grace. Mercy over mercy. Love over love. Hope over hope. Peace over peace. Let him make something beautiful in you from the troubles that happen to you. Let's pray together. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.